your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Are you annoyed with something? Anybody? Brad Williams, are you annoyed with something? I'm sometimes annoyed by things. Did you? Do I ever annoy you when I rip on you when you're not in the room? <laughs> oh yes, you do. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna talk to. I believe Jay Heck is on hold from Wisconsin Common Cause, and I think he can hear me on hold. I just I just threw him to hold because I couldn't talk he's to him. Annoyed obviously. because he's on hold. Um, but Brad's in here. We're gonna talk about the Eric Sackett trial, day seven, seven, day seven, and yes. Sackett took the stand yesterday. The Eric Sackett murder trial. Sackett took the stand yesterday in kind of a roller coaster of emotions, right? He was right. uh, emotional at times, and at other times he was a little defensive, right? That's right. And now what happened today? Today was a shortened day uh, because the defense had only two of, of their uh, witnesses left. And uh, the main witness was Dr. Lindsay Thomas, who has been called upon in other murder cases, other cases that have come up in La Crosse County. She used to be based in the Twin Cities, and uh, she was called as a defense witness. And during the testimony this afternoon, she said that there is not enough clear evidence to support the uh, the autopsy finding in the death of Aaron Sambali last year, which was homicidal violence. Not enough necessarily to suggest that it was homicide, that it could have been homicide, but because the woman's body was found in a lake and there were uh, being in a lake for as long as she was and uh, other environmental uh, conditions uh, could have obscured what the actual cause of death is. So we don't still really don't know what the true cause of death was. Uh, the prosecution's theory is that it was murder. The defense says it was suicide, most likely. Is that it then? That seems like well, uh, well <laughs> case closed. But, but then you have different. But At this then point. you did have the person who performed the autopsy. That mm-hmm. was early in the case. The prosecution presented him, and uh, then now we have the uh, the rebuttal here. And there will be more rebuttal witnesses brought by the prosecution tomorrow. The uh, defense has called their witnesses now. Just a few more witnesses to be called tomorrow, and then there will be arguments, and the uh, jury is likely to get the case on Halloween. And we don't know how long it will take them to reach a verdict. Okay, so this is, would you say this is pretty damning evidence it, to conviction? I don't know that this is. No. there There is so much evidence in this case that uh, it's not easy to tell how the jury is going to go. Okay. And when when that when, well, I, I mean, feel like when that happens with, with Dr. Thomas coming in today and saying it doesn't look to her like homicide, and there is uh, the possibility of supporting suicide or or at least uh, drowning, which is uh, one of the theories, is that this uh, is a lot for the jury to consider and decide. Whose story is is more believable? Uh, with what adds up to what? Yeah, so. I would say I would say when a jury is going to when you have to convince everybody on the jury, how many jury members? There, are fourteen people have been hearing it. They will eliminate two. There will be twelve chosen. Uh, I, they will eliminate two, and then the twelve will uh, decide what the verdict is. Okay, so twelve people have to decide 
the two are and, alternates. And they will all have to, yeah. they all, will all have to agree, yes, it, he's it, guilty. It is uh, unanimous, and if they don't yeah. reach unanimous, then it's a mistrial, and then yeah. they have to go from there. And, and maybe start the whole process over again, right? Like, yes. Okay. Um, all right, so what can we expect tomorrow? Tomorrow is going to be a few uh, brief witnesses called by the prosecution, and then there is a good possibility that there will be some closing arguments tomorrow. But the uh, the judge, Elliot Levine, said that the uh, jury will be sequestered during their deliberations, but they will not be sequestered tomorrow night. So they have tomorrow night still they could go home and, and not talk about the case, not hear about the case anywhere. But Thursday, they would uh, show up and they would remain until they reach a verdict. Okay. All right. Brad, I know you got to get going, so we'll let you go yes, and we, we'll, we'll have, bug you more tomorrow. We have uh, Family Feud being played <laughs> at, at, at uh, the Weber Center tonight. It's, it's for the parenting place. All right. Thank you, Brad Williams. Uh, Brad's been covering that uh, since day one. We're going to go to news quick, and I believe Jay Heck is on hold, so I'm going to talk to him. Uh, we're going to bring him on and talk a little bit about gerrymandering right after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914, the Better Hearing Center talk and text line. We've got Jay Heck from Common Cause Wisconsin in Madison on the phone with me. Jay, how's it going? Hey, it's great, uh, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, all right, yeah. Are you, uh, are you dressing up this year again, or? Happy Halloween, well, I'm going to shovel snow, probably. Oh, so. yeah, don't even, t- let's not talk about that, Jay. No, uh, that's right. We'll talk about something much, much worse? No, I don't know. No, 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 more hopeful. Uh, we're going to talk about gerrymandering, and it's such a weird word that I don't know if when people, maybe when people hear the word gerrymandering, I'm sure a lot of people go, yeah, I know what that is, but can you just explain what that term means and, and maybe make, you know, for, for the, the common man, since you're common cause. You bet. Uh, I, I like the connection. Yeah, gerrymandering simply means that, you know, when every 10 years in the country, uh, we do what's called a census. And then the, all the legislative districts, uh, state legislative congressional districts have to be readjusted to reflect the changes in population where people have moved and, uh, where people are staying, and and so according to the way they draw the maps, that's how you get your congressional district and your state senate district and all the rest. And uh, it can be done one of two ways. It can be done fairly, uh, where you keep counties together, you keep cities together. Uh, you don't try to pick your voters. You try to you know just make common sense about how you're going to shape the districts. Or you can do it in what's called a gerrymander, a partisan gerrymander, where you try to stuff more of one party into fewer districts and expand uh, the other the base for the for another party and the party in control does that they did they did that in Wisconsin the Republicans did in 2011 they did it in Illinois in 2011 and uh, by the Democrats so it's basically a partisan power exercise to exert and keep control despite what voters want these elections generally are not close. Uh, we generally already know who's going to win the election, and that's the case in almost every state legislative election in Wisconsin. Less than one out of ten are competitive, and all of the seats, for instance, in, in western Wisconsin, um, with exception of maybe one, are, are, are totally safe seats. Voters don't really have a choice in the November election because they're all decided by gerrymandering. Now, uh, we bring this up because uh, a decision just happened on Monday in North Carolina 
where the uh, I mean, this is a hu- this is pretty big, right? Like the, in in terms of North Carolina, it's huge. The uh, the court has ordered that the maps be redrawn before the 2020 elections. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. What happened is uh, the United States Supreme Court was uh, was going to rule on this, and finally did at the end of June. And they said that they don't have the power, they don't want the power to be able to decide political questions like gerrymandering. But they and they, it was a cowardly decision, but it was done because you know the judges on the Supreme Court, the justices, had promised uh, that the folks that support them that they would they would not mess with the way things were. But they did say that state state courts and legislatures obviously have the power to make things fair, and in fact, they almost begged state courts and uh, legislatures to intervene because they said it's profoundly uh, undemocratic with a small d for people not to have real choices at election time when elections are already rigged and decided. And so uh, the North Carolina was a, that was a, a decision where the, uh, the st- a state court said that they have to redraw the, uh, the congressional districts and the state legislative districts. Uh, because they definitely make it more, yeah, they discount people's votes. In other words, people who vote for one party have no possible chance that that party is going to make uh, gain power in the legislature. So their votes count less than uh, the votes of other people, and that's something that uh, everybody agrees on, Republicans and Democrats, by and large, with a few exceptions. And so in Wisconsin, um, that could apply as well. Our state courts are a little different than the state courts in North Carolina, but the legislature certainly has the power, and there's great momentum now in the Wisconsin legislature. You know, there are three Republicans in western Wisconsin who now support ending partisan gerrymandering and want fair maps so that people have real choices. And that's remarkable, because in the last legislative session, there was only one Republican in the entire legislature, and now it's up to five. So... Uh, you know, people's voices are being heard on this issue. And the reason why people should care is because if you don't have legislators who are responsive, um, who don't have elections and don't face the consequences of a, of a close election or at least an election that's competitive, then they don't have to listen to you, and they often don't. And things are very polarized in the state as a result of that. How, how much does the decision in North Carolina impact Wisconsin where we go, Okay, that's what happened in North Carolina. We need to maybe we need to move forward with something in Wisconsin. Yeah, and uh, so so the the best way to move forward is to continue to push for the legislation that has been introduced is introduced in July uh, with bipartisan support that would end this partisan gerrymandering and and have the lines drawn by a nonpartisan entity according to criteria that are fair and result in competitive elections, not having, you know, one party or the other gather in a back room like they did in 2011 and draw the, the most partisan lines they can to ensure that they would be in power. You know, not a single incumbent lost of either political party in Wisconsin during the legislative elections in 2018, even though we had a complete sweep uh, by one party, the Democrats, of the, of the statewide offices, governor, attorney general, and the rest. What that indicates is that all of the districts have been rigged. They've all been fixed so that there isn't going to be any change. And so that's really the, what we need to do is to institute a system like our neighbor to the West, Iowa has, where you don't have partisans drawing the lines. 
you have a nonpartisan entity with criteria that they have to abide by, things like keeping counties together and cities together and not splitting things up and keeping rectangles and squares and not squiggly lines like we have in Wisconsin. You know, so many of the districts in Wisconsin are, are divided right down the middle of streets in the middle of some small town just for partisan purposes. What if we go and to, instead of a nonpartisan way of drawing the lines, what if we just do random and just maybe have a dog with muddy paws <laughs> walk over the... Can we do it that No. <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, you know, and by the way, you probably get... You probably get better election results than we than we have now. Yeah, it's kind I mean, of in terms of competition. That's it's, right. It's kind I mean, of like the picking. system we have now is it's it's everybody knows exactly what the outcome of every election is gonna be. You know, and to give you an example, in, in twenty eighteen, and this this is just the opposite in Illinois, by the way, but in Wisconsin in twenty eighteen, fifty what was it, fifty six percent uh uh of the people of Wisconsin voted for Democrats for the state legislature, and they hold only 50, what is it, 36% of the legislative seats. And that's because of the way the districts have been packed and cracked, and Republicans have been spread out over greater areas, Democrats have been packed into fewer districts. And so people's votes really don't count in some of these elections because the outcome's already preordained. So that's what that's the problem we're facing, and I think people get it now. And even recent polls show that not only do seventy-two percent of all Wisconsinites support ending partisan gerrymandering, but sixty-two percent of all Republicans do, and they currently, you know, have the majority. And as I mentioned, three Republican state representatives in Western Wisconsin have all jumped on the bandwagon to get rid of partisan. Much to their credit, by the way, uh, that's uh, Representative uh, Lauren Oldenburg of Rokla, uh, Todd Novak of Dodgeville, and Travis Tranel of, of Cuba City, the three Republicans who now support ending partisan gerrymandering. Uh, we're talking to Common Cause, Wisconsin's Jay Heck. What are you, the executive? What, what's your title? I'm the chief bottle washer, and uh, <laughs> I also empty the trash once a week. <laughs> um, Jay, you, you mentioned, what was it, 72% of Wisconsin voters support? 72%, that's correct. Uh, this and, was on, uh, uh, so this... overwhelming. I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's, most people support it. The, the ones that don't often don't even know what, you know, what gerrymandering is. Yeah, but... it sounds like a funny word that I don't want. I vote no on this goofy word that Jerry, <laughs> exactly. that I don't, like I don't Jerry. trust that. <laughs> um, in, in La Crosse County, this was on, uh, I talked about this off the air, but it was a an advisory referendum in the county in April, and it passed by like nearly seventy five percent. So I mean, absolutely, this, isn't something. this it passes in everywhere that it's on the ballot. By the way, uh, two thirds of all the county boards have passed resolutions, including a lot of what we call red counties, counties that voted for President Trump um, in twenty sixteen. Uh, those counties and, you know, counties like La Crosse have, have voted everywhere this is on the ballot. People support it. And why? Because they want elections that have, have consequences. You know, if, if an election is fixed because of the way the district's drawn, then you're not really, you don't really have a choice. Your vote doesn't mean very much because the outcome's been preordained. And I don't care whether you're a conservative Republican or a liberal Democrat or something in between, which most of us are. Uh, you want elections that matter. You want your vote to mean something. And they don't mean anything at the state legislative or congressional level. The district, the congressional district that La Crosse is in, Ron Kynes, that's a safe Democratic district. It used to be competitive. 
there used to be a vigorous two-party challenge for the congressional seat there. But because of partisan gerrymandering, uh, you know, Ron Pine could sit, you know, can sit in his living room all during the election, and he doesn't really have to do anything because we know that the way the district's drawn, it's going to now elect a Democrat. There, there you go, lacrosse. People of choices. There you go, lacrosse and gerrymandering, and we can get Ron Kind out of the county. <laughs> if that's what you want. <laughs> if that's what you want. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. The Better Hearing Center talking text line. We're talking to Jay Heck with Common Cause Wisconsin. Jay, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to hit news sure. and Scott's comment, and we'll be back after this right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, you want to talk to Jay Heck from Common Cause, Wisconsin, 608-785-7914. Uh, Jay, before I get into it, uh, I just want to mention that we've got a bus trip going to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium to watch the Vikings play the Broncos. Jay, I know you're in a big Vikings fan out there in Madison. Uh, it's 165 bucks. You get a game ticket, a ride on the bus. Uh, usually, uh, you got to be 18 or older. So if you want to check that out, go to radiostuffstore.com. Jay or anyone, Jay Heck, you don't have to, but anyone else who wants to go check out the Vikings-Broncos game. November 17th, that game is. Um, all right, so like I was saying, talking to Jay well, Heck. I'll go, by the way, I'll go if I can wear my uh, Packers jersey. I think they're, they'd be okay with that okay. during a Broncos <laughs> game. I'm not so sure about a Packers game. Um, and that bus is going to leave killed. at 7 a.m., so people have got to get up early for that. Uh, all right, so we're talking about gerrymandering in Wisconsin, if you guys haven't been listening. And gerrymandering, not just in Wisconsin, but uh, across the nation, really. It seems like it's more, is it is it more just the eastern side of the state, like Wisconsin and over? Or is there gerrymandered states to the west? Uh, there are, and, uh, you know, there's, um, yeah, there are some. Out, out, out west, there's a few that are. But it is primarily Midwestern states. It's Ohio, Michigan. Uh, Illinois, uh, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, and North Carolina. I mean, it's kind of spread out all over, but it's most serious in the upper Midwest where we are. Okay, uh, Jay. Those are the battleground. That's a battleground area, too. All right, Jay, hold tight here. We're going to go to uh, Eric from Sparta. We're going to go to the phone lines here. I think he might have a question for you. Eric, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Go ahead, man. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Heck. I'm wondering if, uh, how do you describe your organization? Are you liberal or Right wing or are you left wing? I think you, I think I heard that Common Cause is a left wing organization. Are you dissatisfied with the elections that Democrats didn't win? Uh, not at all. I mean, I'm partisan. We don't endorse candidates at all, and we go after uh, Democrats when, in fact, we went after Democrats when they didn't uh, do redistricting reform in twenty in two thousand. Uh, nine when when they held when they held power, and you know common cause for instance in Illinois we're we're saying the same thing about what the Democrats have done to the Republicans. This is a matter of fairness. It has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. It's about whether or not voters have a choice when they vote in an election, and if the district has been drawn in such a way that the outcome is already known because they packed. They've constructed it in a way that the, the, the party that you're voting for doesn't have a chance to win. Well, that's not fair to you, and it's not fair to the people of the district because they don't have a responsive person in Madison or in Washington, D.C., because that, that person's got a safe seat. All we're saying is that elections should be competitive and the districts ought to be drawn 
nonpartisanly. They shouldn't be drawn to favor one political party or the other, uh, because we're interested in voters. We're not interested in left or right or Republican or Democrat. By the way, power corrupts both political parties. This is not something that's unique to one political party. When you've been in power for too long, you become corrupt. The Illinois uh, Speaker of the Illinois General Assembly, a Democrat, has been the Speaker since 1982. He's corrupt, and that's because of gerrymandering. So the short answer is no, we're not partisan. <laughs> In Wisconsin, you, you mentioned 2009 and how the, the maps were gerrymandered then by Democrats. and, and right? They weren't gerrymandered. They had an opportunity to to put in a reform to prevent gerrymandering. Oh, that's right, because in 2010, the not. maps were 2011 is when they were gerrymandered. And that's because one party, the Republicans, held all the levers of power, and they did it, just like they did it in Illinois by the Democrats. Um, we're going to go back to the phones here. Jay, uh, Libertarian Guy is on. Go ahead, man. Hi there. Hey, um, yeah, I, this my question doesn't really specifically have to do with gerrymandering because we don't really have a chance when it comes to the gerrymandering issue. But I did just hear you say, and this is what prompted me to call, that you want um, people to um, to have a choice. And so as a libertarian, I have to point out that libertarians are routinely excluded from debates, even though we've often been on the ballot in 49 and 50 states across the country. And, um, you know, because of that, we don't get much attention because everybody says you can't win. Well, we can't win because we don't get exposure, and we can't get exposure because we can't get on the debates or, um, you know, it's, it's, there's even onerous restrictions to just getting on the ballot. And so Absolutely. you said you want people to have a choice. Do you have any role in influencing um, uh, elections, the Federal Election Commission, to allow us into the debates? You know, you're asking uh, one of the most difficult questions in, in American politics, and that is the choking hold that the two major political parties have uh, on the United yes. States electorate and, and have since the beginning, since the, you know, since the Federalists yep. and the Jeffersonian Democrats. Uh, third parties have not had a chance. It's because of the monopoly of the two parties. I think there would be nothing healthier for democracy if we could open it up to have other points of view, libertarian, green, whatever, you know, other views, because, uh, because you are right. The voices of, of millions of people are not, are not being heard. That is, uh, that is a, that's even a more difficult nut to crack at this point than things like gerrymandering or even money in politics because of the chokehold that uh, they've had for 200 years. I wish I had a better answer other than I can tell you when Common Cause absolutely supported when we had public financing in the state, allowing public financing, uh, the libertarians and others, to qualify for that so that they would uh, be able to compete on a more even basis. But the Republicans and the Democrats uh, choked it off. Um, well, I think short of just having some kind of fundamental revolution, that's going to be very tough to, to break that chokehold, I'm sorry to say. All right. Thanks for the call, Libertarian Guy. Um, yeah, I guess that that might be a harder – you know, where, where would someone start even to try to, to try to fight that battle? Yeah. It's very difficult because every legislature and every uh, – you know, in both parties of Congress are either Republican or Democrat with a couple of – you know, independents. Uh, Justin Amash, I guess, from Michigan, a former Republican, is now the, court, the only independent or libertarian in the Congress. And the the, the alternative, 
there. The, the, I guess the dilemma there is anytime you want to bring a, a third candidate into, let's just say, a presidential election, um, the one either Republicans or Democrats are worried about you're going to snag votes from because of that candidate because that candidate's going to lean one way or the other. His views are going, sure. are not going to be right down the middle where all the re, you know half the Republicans like that person and half the Democrats like that person and they they all move to the middle. Uh, yep. Maybe we're getting there, but at this point, it's uh, you know if you run for election or, or for office, you're going to snag half of the Democratic vote, and that's going to ruin you know that and that just means a Republican's going to take office. And I, I, is that maybe the biggest dilemma in, in that problem? It is. You know, the uh, the most successful third party candidate who ever ran for president was Ross Perot in 1992. Uh, he got 19% of the vote uh, nationwide, and some say that that cost. George H.W. Bush a bit more than it it, it cost Clinton, uh, but nevertheless it was uh, you know even though he had uh, you know Perot appealed to a great many people there was never a chance that he was going to win because you know the infrastructure of the country is just wired for the two major uh, political parties and so uh, you know it, we would have to change the constitution there's all kinds of things that would have to be changed in order to have a system like, for instance, Great Britain, where you have a, a number of different parties, or Canada, which is, you know, those are coalitions stitched together by a number of different parties. Some people think that might be better. Some people are not quite so sure. But I can tell you, I, I think the present, the system that we have now is just not conducive for people of any ideology to uh, to really uh, working because it's just such a lock by the two major political parties, and both of them, uh, you know, are both profoundly in need of reform of their entire system. All right, we're talking to Jay Heck, Common Cause, Wisconsin. Uh, he's the janitor there. He's the executive director <laughs> there. Uh, uh, turn the lights off too. Yeah, he turns <laughs> the lights off. Um, and and you know we're, we're we got sidetracked a little bit, and that's fine because there's so many issues. Uh, another big issue would would be that you guys are are also fighting right is money in politics. That's just the simple like, hey, let's get all this uh, this money out of politics, right? Yeah, and you know, I mean, that was our major focus for many years, and we had we made a lot of progress in Wisconsin. We even got uh, what's called public financing for Supreme Court candidates, so that they didn't have to beg, you know, uh, labor unions and businesses and lawyers for money and then have to recuse themselves or be, you know, be beholden to people when a case came before the court. But public financing was struck down in a decision called the Citizens United decision in 2010, uh, and that really just put on steroids the money that's not only in American politics but in Wisconsin politics. You know, we now have millions of dollars that are flowing under the radar screen, what we call dark money, that people don't even know where it's coming from, and that buys votes, and that's corrupting, and it's, it's, it's a huge, huge problem. But that's one of those things that needs to be decided at the United States Supreme Court level. That was a 5-4 decision in 2010. It could be reversed. Um, and so, you know, until we get a, a better better Supreme Court decision on that, uh, we're just going to have to unfortunately face a lot of money. We could disclose, we could require that, that we at least know the sources where all that money comes from, but you know, so many special interest groups and multimillionaires don't want anyone to know that they're giving that money, and they condition the uh, contribution of that money for one party or the other on its anonymity. But that's just, again, undermines democracy and undermines voters. It undermines your ability to know who's trying to influence your vote. 
All right. Uh, you know, back to the gerrymandering issue. Um, we, we were getting to the uh, in 2009. Democrats could have did something about this. They could have, you know, adopted, say, an Iowa model where it's a nonpartisan, nonpartisan uh, version of drawing the district lines. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and, and their arrogance was such that it's so they were so arrogant that they, they actually lost control of the legislature. And both the Senate Majority Leader, a Democrat by the name of Russ Decker in Wausau, and the Assembly Speaker, a Democrat by the name of Mike Sherrod in Janesville, both were defeated in, in a, what's called a wave election in 2010. And uh, they, were, they were ousted from power. And in part it was because they refused to reform Wisconsin politics. Now, they only had two years to do it. If you look back to 1986, for the last 33 years, we've either had split government or the Republicans in control. Democrats only had two years where they were in power for, uh, they had the, the governorship and then both houses of the legislature, but they failed to act. And, you know, if the Republicans fail to act this time around, too, it's eventually going to come back to bite them because people sense corruption in the political party and they know that if you've been in power too long, uh, usually it's because. Uh, you know, there's there's a, a deal, some deal of corruption uh, as well, and and people people will vote even though, even though the districts are gerrymandered. Enough could be uh, could be swung. You know, some people are saying that twenty twenty could be a uh, what, what they call a sweep election. You know, one of these one of these tsunami elections. I don't know if that's going to be the case. You know, um, things change so often from day to day. We don't we don't even know it's going to happen next week, let alone <laughs> next November. I'm going to quiz you a little bit. So in, in Minnesota, it's the only state right now in the nation that has a split legislature. It is yeah, one of the few, yeah. No, the only one. Oh, is that right? The yeah. only one where they have Dem- Democrats and Republicans, different different uh, houses, right? Yeah, in Minnesota, I don't know if Minnesota's gerrymandered at all, but it, with the split legislature the way it is, should Minnesota think about like, hey, you know what? We have this balance right now. Maybe we should go adopt something like the Iowa model uh, for legislative maps, and and therefore both sides can look good, and and it could be done. You know, it's a great idea, um, and and by the way, they are looking at it in Minnesota. That is that is a hot button issue in Minnesota, uh, ending partisan gerrymandering. Now, the partisan gerrymandering is not as bad in Minnesota as it is in Wisconsin, because in 2011. They had split government in control, and so the districts, they had to reach a compromise, so there was not the kind of extreme partisan gerrymandering that you saw by Republicans in Wisconsin or Democrats in Illinois uh, in 2011. Uh, But the thing about Minnesota as well is that it is also, um, they just have a a better system for doing it, uh, and they're they're just able to, to support reform forward in a little better way because they have more they have more reforms still in place that haven't been eliminated as they have been here in Wisconsin. But yeah, that's exactly right. That's what needs to happen. Uh, I might add, by the way, Republicans were in control of the governorship and both houses of the legislature in Iowa in 1980 when they instituted the Iowa system. And the reason they did it was because they wanted to save taxpayer dollars. Right now, it's cost taxpayers in Wisconsin $4 million to litigate the maps that were drawn in 2011. In Iowa, there's no extra cost to any taxpayer. They don't, they don't hire outside law firms to draw the maps, and it's done in a fair way that people have confidence in. Uh, talking with Jay Heck from Common Cause, Wisconsin. Jay, I want to talk about the, the, the way the maps were drawn 
uh, by Republicans in 2010. But I wa- first, we're going to take a minute and a half break, so we're going to come back sure. right after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left in the show here with Jay, talking with Jay Heck from Common Cause Wisconsin, talking about gerrymandering legislative maps and how they were drawn in Wisconsin and how they're you know one sided across the across the, mostly the Midwest and eastern portions of the country. Um, Illinois is is very democratically gerryman- Democrat gerrymandered, and I think Maryland is a, as well. North Carolina just. Uh, North Carolina judges there just said that the Republicans need to redraw the maps. Is that a solution, Jay? The Republicans need to redraw the maps there in North Carolina, or is the solution, hey, we need to redraw the maps differently? Well, you know, the real, the lasting solution is differently. And and by the way, it's in North Carolina. The reform movement is the same as in Wisconsin, and that they want to adopt the Iowa system for North Carolina as well. Uh, You know, I think one thing people do not want to repeat is the 2011 process where it was done completely in secret, uh, behind closed doors. The public was never allowed to look in. Uh, The maps were drawn across the street from the state capitol in Madison in a law office that was kept locked up and that uh, only Republican legislators were brought in one by one to see what their new map would look like. And then they had to sign a secrecy oath and not tell the press or the public or anybody what their new district was going to look like. And then the maps were just sprung out late on a Friday afternoon in July and ran through the legislature the following week. Uh, And that's how we have the districts that we have in Wisconsin now, uh, even now 10 years later, or I'm sorry, eight years later. Um, they're they're in place because of this secret process. And it's, as I mentioned before, it's cost taxpayers $4 million to hire lawyers to draw the maps, defend the maps, and all the rest. And we don't need to go that route because all this does is hurt voters of both political parties. It doesn't help anybody. I think the biggest red, voters of choices. The biggest red flag you, you put there is uh, it was, you know, put out late Friday afternoon. Oh, okay, well, that's something nobody nobody wants the public to hear about. Nobody's having a beer in Wisconsin then, right? Right. Yeah. Nobody's. Yeah. We're all watching the news and glued to what our legislature legislators yeah. are doing at on Friday at five o'clock. Uh, not saying yeah. it was literally five o'clock, but the Friday afternoon. Anything that drops on Friday afternoon, you can be you can know very well that nobody wants you to know about it. And it's not good usually. That's right. Exactly. That's the whole point. And we don't want to repeat that process, and we shouldn't have to repeat that process. Uh, you know, I like to say Wisconsin's too good for that. We used to be one of the best states in the country for transparency and fairness and elections that were decided on issues and ideas, not on, you know, political machinations and, you know, who has the most money and who has the most rigged maps. Uh, We can can do better than that. And there's examples around, as I say, Iowa, uh, for all their faults, they have a much better system for uh, drawing their legislative and congressional maps. And people have confidence in it. You know, they're not People aren't so cynical as they are in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, Wisconsin, everybody looks at elections and said, says they're rigged. And they're right. They are rigged. They're rigged because of the way the districts are drawn, and they're also rigged because of all the money that flows into our elections. So people need to, uh, they need to really uh, make sure their legislators know that they want reform and change. And as I mentioned, it is working. Those three Republican state representatives in western Wisconsin have done a great uh, service by actually contradicting their party leaders and by supporting nonpartisan reform. And they should be congratulated for that and encouraged. 
We need to encourage more legislators to reform the process and you know make it better for voters, not just for um, for their reelections. And that was my next question: Is what do we do? Call call up our our state government? Who you know is that is that the really the only option? I mean, we've had referendums across the state that say, "Hey, we want to change this. Let's go to an Iowa model. Let's get re, uh, politics out of drawing the legislative maps." Um, the, re- <clears throat> the referendums are important, but. Uh, because they do signal to legislators what the, where the sentiment is, and it's always overwhelmingly in support of it of reform. Unfortunately, they're not binding in Wisconsin. We don't have anything that bypasses the legislature. But if you do pressure your legislature, it works. I mean, those three Republicans were not on board before. They are now on board. And the reason they are is because they're hearing from their constituents. There's very few, if any, people other than maybe a couple of county chairs that will call in and say, I support partisan gerrymandering. I mean, nobody supports it of any political party. <laughs> I hear, I hear the, unfair. I hear the one argument against the Iowa model, which is nonpartisan is there's no such thing as nonpartisan. You couldn't find somebody to, to do that. Well, the, and the biggest argument against that stupid argument <laughs> is that there, it's not people that are drawing the maps according to their whim. They have to abide by strict nonpartisan criteria. So it's not up to them to decide what the maps look like. They have to do things like keep counties together, keep cities together. They have to draw squares and triangles. They can't draw squiggly little lines. So if you have a criteria that you have to follow, then anybody can draw the lines in a nonpartisan manner. They have this uh, this uh, uh, agency, service agency, that does that every 10 years. And it's worked perfectly. People in Iowa have confidence in it, and they love it. So that is a obnoxious, unf- uh, un, un, uh, it's, a, it's an inaccurate uh, statement made by those who, who oppose the island. Settle down, model. Jay. Settle they don't know down. what they're talking about. Nobody said it today. You don't have to get all worked up. <laughs> all right, I'll calm down. <laughs> um, now, Jay, we we just got a minute. Do you you know commoncause.org is your website? Do you guys and commoncausewisconsin.org? Right. Oh, commoncausewisconsin. Hmm, it says commoncause.org. Is that a different website? That's the state website. Oh, that's the state website. Well, it's more accurate, yeah. Okay. Commoncausewisconsin.org. And then you guys put out articles once in a while just to kind of enlighten people, uh, and they can find those articles on that website, right? They can, and they can also uh, get on our email list, and we'll send you stuff. And uh, as I say, I mean, we're for good government. We're not for liberal or conservative government. We're for government and and politics, uh, you know, that people can get engaged in and have a voice in. So, yeah, please, please do that. Uh, CommonCauseWisconsin.org. Give us a call, 608-256-2686. Or, you know, just Google us and you should be able to find it. Yeah, you're all over the social media sphere, too, as well. All right, (laughs) Jay, thanks a lot for talking to me. I'm going to let you go and I'm going to wrap up the show here. Appreciate so much you you talking about this issue. Thanks, Rick. All right, see ya. Uh, Yeah, that's going to about do it for the show today. uh, One more time, I just want to mention... The uh, we've got a bus trip going to U.S. Bank Stadium, Broncos Vikings, November seventeenth. If anyone wants to get on the bus heading up to Minneapolis, RadioStuffStore.com. All right, that's gonna do it for the show. We'll talk again tomorrow, right here on Wizard.